Hello, you are listening to State Scoop's Priorities Podcast. I am Colin Wood, Managing Editor of State Scoop. This episode is about identity and access management. And on this episode, we have Eric Avakian, who is Pennsylvania CISO, and Jim Weaver, currently the CIO of Washington State. And he was the CIO of Pennsylvania before that, where he worked with Eric. We talk about what their states are doing around identity how new technologies are figuring into their thinking, including blockchain. Oh, yes. And we also touch upon the merits of developing solutions in-house versus outsourcing for IAM or possibly uh, identity as a service one day. Here it is. All right. I am here with Jim Weaver, CIO of Washington, and Eric Avakian, CISO of Pennsylvania. Have you guys met? Uh, just, yeah, just a bit. We know each other very well. Yeah, we worked, we worked very closely with each other over the years. <laughs> right. Well, thank you both for being on the podcast. Pleasure to be here. All right. So let's get into it. Uh, what are you each doing with identity and access management in your respective states? So we start with you, we start with you, Eric. Sure, sure. So you know, identity and access management, especially when we look at it today, this is really the you know, it's really the foundation when you think about identity for all other security controls, especially when we move business uh, into the cloud, uh, enabling our digital experience for our citizens um, and, and to create a unified uh, experience for them. So this is foundational and identity and access management really underpins those services um, for, for all of that. So what we've been doing, you know, really taking a look at what the customer expectations are um, and really trying to enhance the citizen experience when it comes to how they do transactions with state government online. If we look at the private sector, uh, what they've been doing with, you know, with, with, when you look at social media sites and you look at the big retailers out there, they're really driving and they have driven really over the years the, the expectations of what users or what, what people really expect when they want to, um, when, when, when they do business online. And really taking that expectation from our customers uh, and bringing that private sector experience into the public sector for state government. Um, predominantly over the years, with identity access management, it's been very fragmented across the state where you had a myriad of citizen services across different agencies that didn't connect to each other. So what that would mean is a citizen would have to log in and have a user credential and password to log into one specific service at one agency. Then they'd have a separate account to log in somewhere else. Just maybe if they're getting a fishing license, they have a separate account they'd have to build and create to do that transaction. So this created a very disjointed uh, type of approach from a citizen perspective of doing business. And it also created a lot of duplication of of work across state government where you had a lot of different user repositories um, to maintain, you had a lot of architecture to maintain, and there was a very different end user experience because across all of those different applications, there were, everything was different. There was a lot of non-standardization on an approach. And so what we've done is really, as part of a brand new effort, which we're calling our customer service transformation, um, is really using identity and access management to transform the way citizens interact with government today. And so um, this will enable 
basically uh, citizens to enable a unified approach to how they do business with state government. Uh, this started. This concept started a few years ago with our uh, NSTIC project. We won a grant with from NIST. We were granted uh, that grant, and through that grant, we developed this unified directory credentialing idea. But since then, actually, just this July, uh, Governor Wolf um, came out with an executive order for this customer service transformation initiative to really promote a citizen-first aspect to the whole idea. And really, again, identity and access management really is the central piece to how this will work to create a consistent, user-friendly online experience through a unified citizen credential. We're using uh, which we call a keystone login. So people will be able to create an account. They'll be able to log in once. And through that login, they will be able to access a myriad of different services and applications without having to create different accounts. And then through that, if there's a different level of assurance, for instance, if we need to do identity proofing, then there's a standardized approach and service for that. We've enabled and integrated multi-factor authentication as well into that process. Again, as a unified service, which really is going to create a much more uh, fluid experience for our end user and users and our citizens. Um, it's going to enhance security. Uh, it's going to reduce duplication of effort and work. And it really creates that single sign-on for them so that they can access more than one application in a single session. They'll have a dashboard that they're going to be able to go to. And again, it's that it's bringing that experience to our citizens that they expect and that really they see in a lot of the private sector sites. So we're really excited about it. And I think one of the things that we've learned through this effort is you know, now that we have this top level governor support for this initiative, we've seen a lot of momentum now where agencies are migrating their applications to leverage the Keystone login features, um, as well as communicating and working side by side with our agencies uh, in a collaborative way. So this is a collaborative effort, bringing everyone in to say, how do we build this and how do we work together so that we're building an end user experience for our citizens uh, that, that enables, uh, and to use the, one of the governor's key tenets, a government that works. So we're excited about it. And uh, that's just a little bit about what we're doing. Right, great. How about you, Jim? How, do, how does identity and access management work look like uh, for where you're sitting up in Olympia? So we're, you're going to hear a lot of the same themes that Eric just talked about from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania's perspective. We're focused on the same types of activities out here in the great state of Washington. Uh, identity and access management is the foundational item, similar to what Eric had um, indicated for a lot of the things that we want to do within Governor Inslee's administration moving forward. And with that in mind, today we're, we're focusing on stabilizing our current single sign-on uh, process, which in Pennsylvania is similar to the keystone key that Eric mentioned. But more importantly, what we want to start looking at is how do we start doing identity access management differently and enabling our residents of our great state to be able to engage with government services in a different manner, as opposed to being issued a government ID, if you will. So if you think about the concept that, um, and take my case in particular, I'm a resident, I'm an employee, I could be a small business owner here in the state of Washington. I could be a first responder in the state of Washington with my National Guard affiliation. Is that four identities or is that one identity with four different attributes associated with that identity? And we're looking to investigate how do we start taking the more of an approach of attributes as opposed to individual identities, engaging in government services 
and allowing our residents to engage us with identities that they're accustomed to using in their daily lives. Um, so whether or not it's a Gmail account or whether or not it's a Facebook or other social media account, as Eric mentioned, that's what they're doing today as far as engaging in, in a lot of the consumer business. They're interacting as a resident um, in their personal lives. Why can't we extend the same type of opportunity to them for engaging in government services? Because at the end of the day, uh, similar to what Pennsylvania is trying to do, we're trying to get to government as a platform. And a resident is engaging government to, uh, to obtain critical services. And we want to be able to provide that opportunity for them to do that without having to try to figure out where they're going to. So in essence, it's a foundational item to our, our digital transformation plan, similar to the activities Eric has underway. Right. And Jim, well, the both of you, but Jim, you've been around long enough to have seen discussion about this and lots of other topics change. How is identity and access management, the discussion around it, how is that different today than it was, say, five or 10 years ago? Well, I think technology has helped move that discussion along. So if you think about five or 10 years ago, really the concept was, and security was always that bad word because of security reasons, we need to be, we being government needs to be the one that issues you that those credentials if you're going to engage in government services. I think with where we're at with technology today and the capabilities that are out there, that there are a myriad of services and opportunities where we can allow a, a, a resident to engage our government in a different manner that we can still get to that level of validation or authentication that it is in fact who we are dealing with, even though you're not accessing our services via government issued identification. And I think our residents here in our, in our state would welcome that and appreciate that because um, it's, it's less, it doesn't have that big brother approach that government has to be the one telling me how I, how I engage with government or how I obtain services. I'm able to do that and get that Amazonian experience that Eric mentioned as far as I don't necessarily, uh, similar to Amazon, Amazon is marketing to me based upon what my likes are and what I'm looking at. I'm not actually seeing the entire Amazon catalog. We can kind of do that same aspect from a digital perspective as well. Um, and give them, give our uh, residents here in our state the ability to get access to what they need and be able to engage them differently than what we do today. Yeah, so just in agreement with Jim, I really think that um, technology and the rapid pace and advancements of technology has really helped in this space. And when we look at some of the innovative things um, that have really been started, especially when we look at things like blockchain, which brings new opportunities to the identity and access management discussions as to how states can improve services. Um, so those are some new innovative uh, methods that have been explored, creating that digital persona, um, you know, that whole methodology really for that end user experience. So technology is driving and enabling a lot of the changes that we've seen in identity and access management to provide the end user and the citizens that experience that they expect uh, to do business, to do, to do, to get their services that they need in a much more unified and simpler fashion, um, so that they can get what they need when they need to get it, and it's easy. Right now, I want to talk more explicitly about cybersecurity. Uh, being the CISO, how does identity and access management fit into your broader cybersecurity plans? So, from 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 my perspective, what's what's fascinating about this whole thing and discussion is identity and access management. And especially when we think about what we're doing here in Pennsylvania with an initiative that's being driven from Governor Wolf 
it's, it, it is kind of driving this, right? So identity and access management through the work that we're doing, it becomes an enabler of the business. So making sure that those underpinning services are enabling the business outcomes and objectives is a great place to be because now it really gets that connection where now the citizen become or the CISO, the change is it's supposed to be as opposed to being a technician, the citizen or the CISO is enabling business outcomes and objectives, working closely with business leaders, working closely with CIOs to make sure that those business outcomes and objectives are met, and again, through identity and access management. So it's not just a technical thing anymore or a technical concept. This is a situation where the CISO has now morphed in their positions uh, to be an enabler of the business through identity and access management and driving positive change. Right. How about you, Jim? In Washington, do you see uh, identity and access management as being uh, an integral piece of cybersecurity, or how, how do you think about that? Yeah, similar to what Eric just said, um, cyber uh, IAM is an integral part of our cybersecurity program, and a, a lot of the strategy is going to be driven from our CISO's perspective. Um, so I'm not going to re-echo everything that Eric just spoke about, because I think he very well articulated, um, and I would agree wholeheartedly with his comments. The one area I would add in here, however, is there's also a privacy element to this as well. Um, so privacy, in a lot of cases, the younger sibling to cybersecurity. Um, but here in the state of Washington, too, uh, privacy issues and privacy concerns are at the forefront as well. And so as we look at the identity access management strategy and we look at how we engage our residents differently and how our residents engage us, there is an element of the privacy that needs to be accounted for as well. Um, in my case, I have purposefully kept privacy out of the cybersecurity organizational structure um, because I want the two to challenge each other and to make sure that we're getting the appropriate balanced look at the issues at hand. But um, in addition to our CISO and our and the cybersecurity team helping to drive strategy, I'm also looking at our chief privacy officer to weigh in heavily on this as well. Right. Now, is this something that you are doing internally or is this something that you hire a vendor for? And in terms of both the just being able to do this effectively and then also thinking about the sustain sustainability of the technology in the long term, which one of those options seem uh, most prudent to you, Jim? Um, for, well, for, for right now, we're, we are, yeah, Colin, we're right now in Washington, we're looking to, we're focused really very much on our single sign-on and the stability of that platform to basically get us through the next two years. Um, in the meantime, I do have a group identified now that is starting to investigate um, other alternative uh, ways of being able to deliver on these critical services. So I think right now it's too premature for me to say that I'm going to hire a, a supplier to come in to assist us or whatever the case may be. Um, and I also don't want to get in front of technology because similar to what Eric said, I would agree that this is probably screening a blockchain but we don't want to put technology ahead of the people in the process aspects of the equation. So right now, my, my teams are focusing on the people in the process aspects. I think then we will probably bring in a supplier to help us deliver on the technology components. And as the world continues to evolve and technology continues to evolve, we might be able to get to some type of as a service model here as well, where maybe we as the state are not necessarily managing the, this identity process we may have a third party doing that for us as well. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, well, I want to I want to ask you the same question, Eric. What what role do you see vendors playing in identity and access management versus completely managing things internally? Yeah, so I think it's a partnership, right? So we have well, so first of all, so we've we've, we've built an enterprise services team, uh, and, and and we're looking at expanding that internal team, right? So that they can be successful in delivering enterprise services such as the Keystone login. Uh, that we've been talking about. And, and, and Jim had mentioned privacy. Yeah, that very important. So I really agree how important that is. So specifically for this initiative as an example as well, with this customer service transformation, we're, we're going to be adding and hiring a, a, a chief privacy officer that's going to assist you know, somebody that's working from the legal side, working side by side with, with the business and with CISO and, and uh, the enterprise services team to really Make uh, so we can all make better decisions. So there is an internal team effort aspect to this. But to your question, I think it's twofold, right? So yeah, we've got an internal team that's helping managing the service, but we certainly have been engaging with our suppliers. You know, this is a rapidly advancing space, so we see a lot of innovation in uh, identity and access management. And again, we want to make sure that those conversations continue. So I think it's a twofold effort. You know, having an internal team that can build and produce and deliver enterprise services and where there is a, where it makes sense to where it's you know outside of a core competency then we look to the supplier community to provide those services and where it is a core competency we keep that in-house so i think it's a partnership perspective effort right and you both each mentioned something about blockchain so i feel like we should maybe try to get into that at least a little bit more what is it about that mode of record keeping that makes it particularly well suited for managing identity? Well, I think with blockchain, you know, a lot of this stuff is still kind of fleshing out, right? I mean, people think of blockchain, they think of Bitcoin, but really, I think there's there's some pros and cons when we think about blockchain in identity. Um, but I think some of the interesting aspects of, of blockchain and where it potentially could be utilized is really enabling um, citizens to, to, where they basically hold uh, whatever those key elements are. So their data is their data. Um, you know, whatever, from a, even from a privacy standpoint, what's shared can be shared and, and there's more control from that perspective. It, it, it's still, again, a morphing area. Um, it's innovative. There have been some examples where blockchain or some pilots, um, and, and we're actually exploring that, right? So even as the, the rapid pace of technology changes, we want to make sure that we're exploring these different avenues. And if blockchain, uh, if there's an opportunity that for, for that, where that could be incorporated, even in a pilot perspective, we want to at least explore those opportunities because it could, again, more enhance um, the citizen experience. So, again, it's a rapidly changing area, uh, but I do see opportunities there. And some of them, probably, some of those opportunities are still maybe even unknown. So, um yeah, more to come on blockchain for sure. Right. Where do you stand on... Yeah, oh, add, sorry, go Eric, ahead, Jim. Where do you I'm stand sorry. on blockchain? I was going to say, to add one to Eric's comments, I think blockchain is an evolving technology. And as it continues to evolve, it, it may provide us as a state with the greatest amount of flexibility to account for some of the nuances or uniqueness that we as a state would have to address things from a privacy and security perspective that more can solutions today may or may not be able to provide us with. So again, um, I know we're engaged at a national level. We are looking at some of the work that's underway within the NACIO community um, in other states. 
Um, so it's, it's on our radar. We're, we're very much taking a look at to see how it applies. But again, um, not to put technologies in front of, we still got the people process components that we have to focus on. So we're going to allow the technology to continue to evolve and mature. In the meantime, we're going to focus more on, on the people in the process aspects of what we need to do to be more effective and efficient at being able to provide our agencies with critical services. Yeah, and just to kind of echo on what, what Jim said, because I think it's really pivotal, it's really focusing on the people, the process, right? So the outcomes of what we need to do to enable that streamlined and user experience and then kind of go backwards from there. And if whatever, you know, if there's technology or blockchain can do that, that's great. But let's 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 have those outcomes defined so that we know what type of then we know what to build on top of it. So I totally concur with that. Right. So just to kind of wrap up this conversation, what should people look for from each of your states to come in uh, in this space in the coming months and, and years? So from the Commonwealth perspective, we've got a multi-phased approach uh, to the whole to this whole customer service transformation as it pertains to Keystone Login. Look for some exciting new changes. Uh, now that the governor's uh, we've got this executive order that's been released in July. We've got a lot of momentum now and moving forward to really uh, ramping up integration with applications into the Keystone login uh, to reorganize so that we are providing those services. So we're, um, I think what people can expect is a, ra- a ramp up in applications that are, um, that are leveraging this service so that at the end of the day, we're enabling the citizen uh, user interaction with applications and services. Yeah, and from the state of Washington, I think it's a similar uh, similar thing. Um, we have the opportunity here within Governor Inslee's administration to be able to be more efficient and effective at delivering critical services to our residents and doing it in a manner that allows them the greatest flexibility to engage with government services. And so that's what's very exciting um, here in the state of Washington. And the fact that we're actually... Um, openly looking at this um, as a project and engaging our agency leadership across the cabinet to at least get these conversations underway and the excitement that's starting to build within uh, my peers at the cabinet on what this, what this potentially could bring to the agency. And then more importantly too, how, do, how can we from an interagency perspective begin to more effectively deliver benefits and understand how we're being consumed from a resident's perspective and what's the value we're bringing back to our, our residents of our great state. Right. All right. I think we did it. Thank you both for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Yep. Thank you for having us. All right. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. For more state and local government IT news, head to statescoop.com.